everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, author of four books on all things cycling-related and lover of all things fitness-related. And we have been drinking a lot of coffee this morning, so I feel like this is going really quick. I feel like I'm pretty much on my normal thing there. You know, it's only been three three espressos. And... Peter just slowed down, but before he was pretty much jumping on a mini trampoline like Tony Robbins style, getting psyched up for this intro, so... I mean, I feel like your have you seen that documentary? I have seen it with you, actually. I knew, I knew you saw it. Yeah. I watched it with you. But uh, <laughs> it's a pretty interesting documentary, actually. It is. But yeah. yeah, Tony Robbins hops on a trampoline for like, it's a significant amount of time. Well, I'll call it five minutes, but I think it's longer than that. So he's hopping on the backstage and apparently it gets like the lymph going and he's just super energized and that's the secret. So I don't I, know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I need to start carrying around a mini trampoline for whenever I do talks and stuff. Just get really pumped up. We were at, I think we mentioned it two shows ago, I was at a trampoline park with some ninja warrior type things, uh, you know, obstacle course type stuff. And uh, they do fitness classes there. So they're trying to, you know, obviously get different people into the trampoline park periodically. So they do uh, essentially like an aerobics class, but trampoline class mm-hmm. in the, because they have sort of the... The dodgeball park, right, yep. is like individual mini trampolines that you can bounce between uh, sort of in a room. So I guess that works really well. You know, you can have all your participants on each mini trampoline and go away at it. So I actually remember when I was 16 and in one of my like, I'm totally going to get fit moments, which happened very rarely for me as a teenager. I got a mini trampoline and I used to use it on my like back porch for like 10 minutes every day. Except then I got a a punching bag as well and tried to combine the two and, like, broke my hand. Punched yourself in the face and flipped backwards. (laughs) It was not good. Well, how did your limp feel? It felt great. Were you energized? My my limps never felt better. Were you motivating millions? No, I was, was like, the laziest 16-year-old, so 10 minutes on that just crushed me for, like, a week. So trampoline fitness is anyway, great. Yeah. Uh, we were down in Rochester with... Uh, Unrelated to trampoline. Yeah, for cyclocross racing, which is, Rochester's got really nice people. You know, we went for a run in the morning. It was a little spooky, but I think everyone was, was on, you know, wishing us good morning and, and happy runs. And But then we got to see a lot of the cycling community. We saw Gabby Day or Gabby Duran was there. We saw uh, lots of... Lots of people we haven't seen in a long time from all over the place you very sort of, who's who of the cycling world it's always like back to school i guess and rochester's always the early or typically is the early race it's usually the really hot race because it's just at the end of the summer um but it so was it was pleasant this year. my back to school outfit choice i feel like i nailed it it's yeah. good <laughs> well, well, I went with a surprisingly black ensemble mixing it up from her usual black ensemble. black on black yeah but anyway, um, yeah, that race went super well. We did some, actually, so today's guest comes into this because on Sunday, we were with uh, the head mechanic for Aspire Racing, Tom Hopper. Shout out to Tom. Uh, we were doing yoga with him in our Airbnb to one of Ryan Leach's um, Yoga for Mountain Biker videos. And actually, Ryan Leach is our guest today, so that sort of feels appropriate. Yeah, yeah, we did, uh, you know, part of his membership site, which we talk about, and hopefully it's not too salesy. I do believe in it, and we are sort of associated with it as far as disclosure, but part of the membership site, and I think he's put a bit of the free content, too. Yeah, there's some yoga that's He free. started the membership site as a yoga sort of site for cyclists, a few friends and stuff, and then sort of, you know, there was a decent demand for that, but the people doing the yoga also wanted him to do similar videos. You know, you're showing us how to do a yoga routine. Can you show us how to wheelie? 
Now, for the record, Ryan Leach is a Canadian trials rider, arguably one of the most famous trials riders, definitely out of Canada, probably in like the top 10 in the world. He's super rad, super fun guy. And yeah, he got super into yoga, but then shifted kind of back to his roots and started teaching how to do some of these trials-y skills, but with more of a mountain biker slant, I'd say. Yeah. Like yeah. more for the, well, and for the regular he's, rider. He's maybe top 10 as far as like maybe shows trials or something. I mean, and he's retired now, yeah. essentially. But at his peak, he was, you know, really pushing the limits as far as what we see now with the Danny McCaskill and, and that type of stuff where you have trials ask, you know, bouncing on stuff, riding on, you know, a handrail or something or mm -hmm. the edge of a bridge, you know, and riding backwards. And so they sort of incorporated the street elements. So I think it was like Cranked 4 or something like that. One of those North Shore movies back in the, I don't know what that'd be probably the early 2000s and sort of that was when Ryan Lee sort of was at that cutting edge and he talks a lot about how what that's like mentally and what that's like on your body just how hard it is with multiple impacts trying to clear these lines for the videos um, so I, I always enjoy talking to Ryan he brings a very zen you know he makes my voice seem seem <laughs> exciting really and, animated, and yeah. animated but like uh, he, he's so calming I think and you know the fact that he has this perspective of high high performance you know world-class level uh, and then dealing with that, you know, retirement and, and transitioning to things and helping people. And so we talk a lot about different skills and approaching skills. We handle some questions from people on sort of different skills and, and skill acquisition. I think it's a, another great podcast, if I do say so myself. Yeah, Ryan was our first guest, actually, that we ever had yeah, on the show. Yeah, episode three, if you go back, we talk, that one's more towards the wheelie, whereas this one we're talking more about jumping and Ryan learning to jump. Yeah, um, we also is... talked a bit about more about meditation and mindfulness, I'd say, in the first episode. This one is a little bit more bike-focused, although we still touch on his yoga and meditation. I also and... give a five-minute rambling explanation in that episode about Spyro Tiger and all things breathing. Oof, I don't know if I want to go back and listen to it. it Maybe skip was, that part. It's pretty good. Anyway. All right. I, I, although I always forget the term metaboreflex, and for some reason I can remember it now, but that's that's what I talk about there. So you can go back and get the learn about metaboreflex. Yeah, and Ryan also gives us a coupon code. So if you want to try the ryanleach.com membership site for a month, you can get a month free. Um, I believe that code is Ryan one. We'll have that in the show notes. If you head over there, you can get that. It's yeah, it's you get the number try... one. So don't spell one. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan yeah. number one. Yeah. Just, just one, like one keystroke. Just check the show notes. <laughs> I, I highly recommend checking the show notes. So that's, that's free. So you have access, I believe to everything with that. Um, so that's, that's a pretty awesome offer. Um, just to even check it out. Right. If you don't like it, leave. That's yeah. fine. It's, you can go. Just go. <laughs> uh, but it's it's really good. I think that's... There's a lot of really cool stuff nice. on there. Ryan's an awesome dude. And even if you're not interested in, you know, really digging into bike skills, I think this episode we talk a ton about just learning new skills that could transfer into any sport. So it's a really interesting one. I think so. All right. Let's get into it. All right, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We have our, our first repeat guest, who was our, our, I guess, first official guest on the show. So we have Ryan Leach back, trials legend, and, and someone we've been working with a lot on, on his uh, membership, his online membership site for skills development, uh, which we'll talk a bunch about today. That's ryanleach.com. Uh, and Ryan, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Yeah, no, glad to be back in conversation with you guys. It's always always enjoyable. 
Yeah. We were cracking up because we were thinking about it this morning, and I remember, you know, I remember three years ago we were on your podcast and when we were out in Vancouver. Yeah. So yeah, you you got us sort of. We we were thinking about it, and you we were like, "Well, Ryan's doing it, and that yeah. was fun." And yeah, you know, our our lives have overlapped quite a bit over the years. Yeah, totally. Is it? It's probably at least three years ago, eh? Yeah, that would have been three. Yeah crazy yeah that's well, cool because yeah, it was a, no it's really fun too. <laughs> excuse me yeah it's really um no i mean i don't know conversations well conversations that are recorded are different than when you know if, if the three of us are just sitting down chatting over coffee that's one conversation and it's and it's great but then it changes when it's being recorded and and we know it's going to be shared with a bunch of people mm-hmm. yeah I wanted to start uh, getting coffee with cyclists uh, as a podcast, but then Jerry Seinfeld started a show, and it was like getting coffee with comedians. I can't remember what the show was. Yeah. Driving in it, cars, in cars. With comedians. So he has like super expensive like antique cars, and then he goes with like the coolest comedians. So he's like out with Jay Leno, <laughs> and I'm like, well, this show is about ten thousand times better than what I was thinking. It's a bunch of awkward <laughs> cyclists sitting around. Well, I was like, you could get a GoPro sponsorship, and you could ride around with like, you know, Peter Sagan, mm-hmm. you know, or you're out doing wheelies with Ryan Leach, and then you just get coffee at a cool spot, and you can talk about Ryan Leach's bike. That'd be a cool podcast. I don't think yeah, Peter Sagan cool. is that inter- interesting, like in real life, though. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He'd probably tell you. Oh, yeah, he'd have funny stories. But oh, anyway, sure. <laughs> so yeah, if, if GoPro wants to sponsor my getting uh, coffee with cyclists podcast, we wow. can have a second podcast. I was just going to go with anyway, let's, <laughs> let's get back to where we were. Well, I'll, I'll buy you coffee if we, if you get it started. Okay. Awesome. Perfect. Awesome. You, you will be the first guest for sure. Cause you will have impressive wheelies for the video. So mm-hmm. our, our first, our, our episode, the pilot's the important one. So mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Uh, so Ryan Leach, with the last we talked to you, we were at Sea Otter. You had just finished ten uh, shows at Sea Otter, and this was two Sea Otters ago. So we didn't talk this year. Um, right. Like, what has changed in your life since then? Well, actually, a b- pretty pretty big thing. So that was two years ago. Mm-hmm. Then last year, I performed at Sea Otter, another at least ten shows or so. And then this year, I actually I didn't go to Sea Otter and. For this entire year, I haven't performed a single trial show. So that's a massive change for me in my career. Oh, man. How has that felt? Is it weird? It is weird, but it feels good and it feels right. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, you know, I love performing. And it's something that has, you know, I've just, I mean, I've done thousands of trial shows and it's a privilege. But at the same time it's uh it hadn't really challenged me or um gotten my creative juices flowing like i've been yearning for not only that but i relied on trial shows to pay my bills mm-hmm. so you know it's taken a few years of working on other projects to come up with a stream of income that i could uh house and feed myself with and and that's been the coaching website yeah, and so that's really grown in the last few years, you know, and, and being both Molly and I are, are a part of that a bit, you've got a quite a lineup of coaches, um, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Mm. Um, well, <laughs> you're a premier coach on site there. Yeah, uh, and yeah. so, you know, let, maybe just take us through, like, what, is, what does that mean? So you're, you're, you've started this, you know, it's been going for a few years now, but what, 
you know, what is going on on, on RyanLeach.com? Yeah, it's 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 been it's a lot of stuff going on. It well, it started with yoga. I you know because I teach yoga, I started just recording some of the yoga classes I taught at different mountain bike events, and I thought, oh, a bunch of other mountain bikers could groove on this. So I basically uh, offered, hey, you know, just pay me a uh, you know a certain amount a month, and I'll just keep uploading new yoga videos that you can access anytime. And so that you know that was good, but you know the people who did subscribe said, hey, you know, I know you're a great coach and you know a lot of bike skills can you can you do some um skill tips and videos and so i started doing a few of those and then i was on my annual um retreat holiday you know i guess that was three years ago now um yeah three years ago um two weeks offline and during that time i had this idea for the 30-day wheelie challenge i basically designed that course um handwritten in my in my journal and um I produced it and it and it went off. I mean, it became super popular around the world, and and that was really the 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 takeoff point for the rest of the uh, the online skill coaching website that I'm running to this day. Yeah, and so on that, there's still yoga you you can do, uh, and then there's also the wheelie challenge. But now it's grown, and there's several different modules of lessons that teach you to do different skills so there's manual um what other ones are on there well the manual master class the the bunny hop master class so those are two pretty key skills um baseline balance skills which is a really important one um then i've got uh, a cornering course a really in-depth almost kind of like coach level um detail for cornering because that's a really complex topic um and i've got a um a 12 ride flat pedal challenge a few free courses like the 12 ride flat pedal challenge and fun and easy bike tricks and the 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 latest course which is a big one is um jump with confidence which was a, a highly requested course and one i was always i was a little shy to make because I really jumping's the weakest part of my skill set, so that's where I brought in some other um, really talented jump coaches to help with that project. Yeah, and that one's been really well received. I know people are excited about that. Um, you had Jeff Lenowski and Shams March. Was that the two? Yeah, and Cat Sweet as well. So it was basically three three yeah. key guests. Well, four. Thomas Vanerham also. Right. He designed a, a section which I don't know if you have access. Do you have access to that part of the course yet? Because it's a drip. It's um, one of the key. I, mean, so I thought a lot about this because you know there's like basically there's 76 um, lessons. Some of them are sort of introductory and information based, but you know basically 76 pages of lessons, and most of those have videos. And you know online it's easy for people just to kind of blow through the whole thing and jumping as you know takes a long time to yeah. develop and so i've uh, made the course such that it's uh becomes available in chunks so when someone purchases a course or becomes a member of my site they have access only to a limited number of courses immediately and then in a week or two the next chunk is released in three weeks the next chunk and it really i i should it, the total you get the whole course within a month but really i mean if it was up to um if it was really up to me and I didn't want to make, you know, 
I'd make it over months, the the material release, but I know a lot of people are coming into the course with different experience levels, and they do want to not wait too long to get to the more advanced sections. So. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a tough decision for sure, because you could make it like a, a three-month thing, but you wonder, you know, if you're going to have a drop-off or like you say, someone's, you know, pretty good and they want to, you know, fast forward a little bit. That's probably not the, you know, most ill, yeah. you know, if someone obviously is clearing giant tables with whips, but wants to like, you know, <laughs> get to Vanderham status or level Vanderham. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it doesn't really go that to that high. I mean, really my goal was to help guide riders to a point where they're able to to clear a medium-sized tabletop jump with confidence. Right. right. That's, that's the bottom line goal of, of this course. It's not doing big gap jumps or huge, long, you know, high-speed, you know, scary jumps or anything like that. Um, yeah. And also with a little bit of style, too. And, you know, basically there's a definitely a correlation between confidence and style. If you have confidence, generally you have some style in your riding, so... Yeah, you're sort of free to to play around a little bit. Yeah. Awesome. So jumping is good, and and that's sort of the newest course. I think, like you say, the the slow speed skills or the baseline balance course, that's, I think, maybe my favorite. You know, I I went through there, and, you know, you for that one, you even had proposed, there's a few extras in there that are are pretty challenging, like variations on track (laughs) stands and stuff. Like you ride up a wall with your front wheel, and I was like, damn it, come on. And so I was (laughs) okay. So I've been playing around with that one. I'm not ready oh, to release cool. it to the world yet, but uh, we'll see. Oh, nice. <laughs> Got to post a if you, yeah, post yeah. a video and post a video of you failing. I think that's that's one of the things I'm going to be working on is encouraging um, riders who are part of um, part of the membership or part of the private Facebook group because fairly supportive community. And I want to really encourage people to post videos of, of fails and of 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 um, you know samples of their practice that aren't that great oh well then i've got you covered on that no problem (laughs) that's the majority of the customers and riders on the site i mean they're they're um they're struggling and and really working and practicing hard and not necessarily looking very good on their bikes as they do it so Mm -hmm. uh, generally people post videos only once they've gotten to a certain level of success so it's interesting, you know, the, the the one of the questions, Elaine sort of brought it up, and I think it was more of a, a comment, and I'll try to pull a question out of it, um, but she was sort of talking towards the idea of sk- competency in a skill versus mastery, and sort of it being, I guess, a continuum of, you know, how, how competent you get with something, um, and oftentimes you get frustrated because you're expecting yourself to be perfect, I guess, or, or to be a master. But the reality is with cycling, whether that's fitness or, or skills, you know, you're, you're probably never going to be perfect, right? Like you're never, there's always going to be another progression. Um, yeah. and to your point, like it's, it, it would be, it's interesting to watch someone. Like I, I remember a video, I think the best thing I can think of is I watched an hour and a half of Tony Hawk when he turned 50, just the last year i think oh yeah he was, tra- he, he was trying to stomp i can't i think he did well he didn't know he did the 900 which was at his 50th birthday but then they around that time they had this video of him just trying to stomp some new trick it was some miscellaneous like 360 slide across the top of the half pipe and come down with like another spin out and yeah. he yeah. practiced for 90 minutes yeah and it was and just- proper and that's real and that's like 
real i mean i haven't seen it but knowing uh, having watched a lot of his riding and, and understanding his sort of approach to practice that's that's not you know do a couple runs and then sit down for no. 15 minutes and take a break no that's like that's full practice constant like mm-hmm. over and over based on the belief that he knows he knows he's gonna get it yeah I mean, maybe not even that day, right? And it's such a minutia, like he's working yeah. on like probably an extra revert out of the 360 or something, or he's just going to slide around an extra time. And it's like such a minute, you know, difference, right? It's an extra pedal stroke in our wheelie or a, you mm. know, little longer manual. Um, and that's, a pra- and that's practice, eth- practice, practice <laughs> ethic, like his practice yeah. ethic. That's a bit of a tongue twister. His work ethic, it's, yeah. Yeah, his work, it's, it's. It's it's pretty unbelievable, and and do you guys think that's something that can be learned? What how do you how do you feel about that? Just like that approach to that kind of repetitive practice, because in mountain biking, you know, as you know, it's easy to just go go and ride, mm-hmm. and then when you go ride, you know, you naturally get better when you go trail riding, you, you walk this section, you walk that section next time you maybe give it a try and you sort of gradually do improve. But there's also dedicated practice, which is, you know, obviously what I drive home on my coaching site. And that's no dedicated skill practice, you stop and you session and you work on something in a strategic kind of way. And, and um, so that approach to practice, like, can you can you develop a capacity for that kind of practice? And what's your experience there? I think I think your courses lay out, you know, OK, this is what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to practice my pedal kick and break it down to start working on my wheelie. So I'm not trying to do a whole wheelie today. I'm just going to, you know, kick and get the wheel off the ground and then break it back down. Yeah, um, you know, and if I do it as Ryan's laid out, that's success for today. Mission accomplished. Yeah. So that's my guided practice. So I think that's right. good. But how, I, whether you can get someone to that point to actually sign up and say, okay, I'm going to start on day one, um, that that can be tricky. I liked day they one wanna, of the wheelie mm-hmm. challenge because it was just writing why you want to do a wheelie. So I didn't even mm-hmm. have to take my bike out. It Which was, is probably a helpful side is why are you doing it? And I think with anything it's you know why is tony hawk doing it right like he's got that internal no one's you know i'm sure he's getting paid still at some those video games are pretty good um (laughs) right but he's he's doing it because he loves skateboarding right and he wants to get that extra revert out of the 900 or whatever it is yeah 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 this is clear i mean if there's not that clear purpose and and uh goal and and why that's clear inside Mm mm-hmm rider then you know the practice isn't going to come so Mm -hmm. um and carl actually asked you know what is the difference i don't know if he was trying to get us to fight or what he was trying to did we get to elaine's question i I don't know that elaine had a question but she wanted i guess she wanted us to discuss and i think that's a valid you know concept that you know tony hawk's practicing for hours and hours to do you know something he's never tony hawk's probably the most perfect like of you know that we can all recall i'm sure there's really there's lots of great skateboarders but you know, he's done some pretty magical things. He's still skateboarding and he's still, you know, he's not done. He, he didn't reach that done point. Like Tony Hawk is the, you know, like, he's a skateboarder, like level achieved, like the video game's over. Uh, he's just still skateboarding, right? And, and I think it's yeah. that internal focus. So I think that's all Elaine was really maybe looking for. Cool. But and, Carl, and for those, yeah, Elaine both is uh, an awesome coach on, one on of the our, site yeah. as well. So, yeah. 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 
And then so Carl said, you know, what's the difference between a skills training with a local coach versus online? So I was thinking mm. maybe we could go through sort of some pros and cons or, you know. Yeah. Wow, he is really trying to get you guys to fight. I guess. I don't know if he's trying to get us to fight. Carl's a pretty good guy. I don't think he's trying to get us to fight. <laughs> and he's done, I know Carl's done a lot of um, in-person coaching and, and he's spent a lot of time on the site and, and Carl, yeah, he's also, he, he, he actually runs the ambassador and coach. He's an organized dude. On, yeah. Uh, on for, for the, for the coaching site. So, um, so anyway, you know, that's been, um, that's a great question. They, you know, for me being able to design these curriculums, these step-by-step programs that have goals and drills that can be engaged with over a longer period of time, is um you know just a dream come true for me as a coach and um to be able to also work with the customers on my site um not only me but the rest of the the coach and ambassador team to be able to respond to questions over the longer term you know a question might come up um week one and then you know week week 10 you know for them as they work through a program and um and they have access to that perspective, that coach perspective. So, I mean, I, I love that. Um, now, the one challenge on you know f- online is that it's it's um, it's tough to um, identify you know to provide really specific and detailed feedback. But that's getting better and better with um, the ease of recording for people to record video and then for them to post it and and in often cases it's actually better because I can just watch I can watch someone's bunny hop like 15 times in a row and really tune into where things are going wrong and what suggestions I can then provide so um, so that's another factor um, I so think, yeah I just I think that's I, I can keep talking but um, yeah I can go no, into, yeah so. I think you're I think you're right on like it's that you know, on their own time, which is the classic, like online course, like you can do it at your own pace and at your own, you know, at home, you know, at whatever hours you want to, you don't have to book time with a coach. Uh, But also if you do have the option to, you know, take a course and then continue on, it provides that, you know, start here and and carry on and work on your bunny hop. And uh, as you say, with your program there is the ability to put that video up and you know we've done a you and i have tag teamed even on a few where we've you know both put in you know sort of what we saw and so someone's actually getting you know two perspectives often we're on similar page or same page but you might you know you notice something with the manual or something like that that i didn't and you know that Mm -hmm. person goes away and hopefully has some ideas to practice and so i think when you're following a static course that doesn't get feedback that's what you're missing is that feedback right that ability to say okay i'm getting frustrated what do i do you know and that might be okay well why don't you try this you know instead of doing it on the pavement why don't you go try it on a grassy field or an uphill or a downhill or you know it might just be suggestion for where you should practice right yeah yeah exactly yeah and then the other the then one of the challenges i'd say is um you know is motivation for the student you know so they've they've got to carve out the time regularly over a period of time to get out and practice and usually unless they're going through a program with a friend which i often encourage you know to to sign up for a course or to you know focus on a course with another person um or a couple friends um so they have some accountability to get out and practice but if they're on their own which is the most common um they've got they've got to get up and 
make the time and do the practice. And, you know, if, if you sign up for an in-person course and some coaching, um, then, you know, that's a stronger kind of accountability scenario than it is online. And there's also more generally a, a lot more money on the line when you're hiring a, a coach sort of yes. privately, even a group, a group camp. It's, um, you know, generally it's a lot more expensive, even, even than a full year membership, it's still more expensive to do like a day or a day or two of a camp. So yeah, and it, it, I, you know, I, I see good progress with my clients that I meet one on one, but I, I have a couple who have you know done the courses as well, and it definitely there, it's an additive effect for sure because they have you know mm-hmm. a guided practice and they come back and you know they've made some progress, but this is where they're at, and then I'm like, okay, well this is what we're gonna do today, and you know I can optimize the practice environment and sort of how we're approaching or progressing something or regressing something, right? Um, you know, and then you can send them away and be like, okay, carry on, you know, you're ready to go to that next step you know now you're gonna actually do drops instead of just working on your manuals or something like that right yeah for for in-person skill coaching i think i mean i actually i mean for anyone who any other coach any coaches that are listening to this i I really would highly recommend i think a great model for in-person coaching is to you know instead of having like a two full days of of coaching um you know just do do like um an hour um you know over eight different sessions over eight weeks or something or over you know four months or something so there's like you know you sign up for a for you know any kind of course it's one it's you know once a week for three months or something i think that would that would be an awesome format for skill coaching yeah um, yeah. in person so i try and encourage like i have four packs i don't know why i chose the number four i don't know if it's four weeks in a month or, or what yeah but yeah uh, the numbers round i guess too but um and that works well you know people sort of cool. pick you know some people are like i say sort of weekly over a month and some of them will divide it out you know over the you know in canada it's sort of that spring summer period where the weather's decent right um, and definitely that's you know versus four hours in a row like people are so so tired and you know just mentally and physically right like if someone's (laughs) really engaged like it's you know you would we can just talk now even about you learning jumping here and and sort of what your home moments were and what you had to change but you know it's it's mentally taxing you know you're you're a little on that edge of risk and then you're also a little you know you're thinking right totally yeah man it's it's unbelievable so how did you find that what did, what did you progress like what was the aha moment for you to get better at jumping um yeah for for me it was there was a moment where i realized that it wasn't let that i could that i was in charge instead of the jump and for pretty much all of my riding career it was it was the jump that was in charge and there was just too too much very too many variables at play for me to feel confident hitting a jump so i'd always go around them like i I just couldn't afford to get injured you know i wouldn't be able to do trial shows and i just um i'd be upset or my sponsors would be upset if i if i wasn't you know if i injured myself um doing something other than you know this specialized style of riding which i was um, engaged with so anyway I think that um, two things allowed me to come to that realization that I could be in control of of my jumps and and one was um, in general I was going too fast 
for every jump I hit, I was going too fast. Like I, and when you're going too fast, um, basically you, you, you have to absorb the jump and you know, that, that is a, that is a technique and, you know, especially for racers, downhill racers or enduro, you know, but they've al- already got the experience of, um, being confident going, going slow and that stomp being able to really, um, really, um, because, and that's the other scary thing when you, when you do a jump slower, but in a, you know, uh, the way, and work with the transition that that compression into the transition um instead of collapsing into the transition you're really allowing the transition to shoot you up and that stomp uh, you know you, you need that strong strong body that strong form to allow the jump to then shoot you up and it's scary to catch air so yeah um, and starting that's the on sticking sp- point is people people sticking point so to speak like people stick to the ground you know they don't let yeah. themselves come up so is there is there a trick if someone's stuck on the ground to getting off yeah and and absolutely and that's one of those workarounds that's one of those you know unconscious um workarounds like our bot like we might want to jump um sort of at on, on the surface level of our conscious conscience but deep down our bodies are like no way <laughs> so so when you hit a jump there's all sorts of weird ways that our body will react to try to keep us safe even though we're trying to catch some air and that leads to some really nasty situations and can lead to crashes so that's why you know for this course i started i started with the basics the first four court the first four drills are on the flat ground just to um really get riders comfortable with the compression and sort of jump the rebound and jumping up motion and you know how the front wheel and rear wheel are reacting to that compression and and rebound and then when we and then you know coming to the jumps it's just really important that the riders find a jump that's friendly and small and has has a correct transition which i describe and talk about in in the course um and that way they can then begin going so slow and just beginning to gradually get a sense for how it feels to to go through that sort of stomp which stomp is one one of the terms that shams march um uses in his coaching he's one of the coaches for the course and he um uh, you know he he did a great job of of um, bringing that in and describing how important it was and that was really a breakthrough for for me is getting that that stomp and getting you know allowing the jump jump to send me up into the air eventually but it was first the front wheel in the air and then then a little bit of both wheels and then learning how to land um you know on top of the tabletop you know in whatever pitch you choose and then um learning to find out what the ideal pitch is for when you're in the when you do eventually get in the air so uh, anyway i can just i'm just rambling here but <laughs> that's no a whole I, I think there's something there i mean definitely there. you know people have this idea that you know and they'll they'll hear it right it was skills generally is just like you know i'll oh, just follow me into the jump and you know you just got to go fast and you know speed will take uh-huh. care of a lot speed if you go fast enough and jump like you'll clear it and you might even ride away but to me, that was always terrifying. Like I've never followed. Well, maybe once. I just recently I followed a really good downhill guy into a jump because it was sort of speedy. Oh, yeah. Like I've been jumping yeah. fairly competently for a while. Like my whole, you know, last fifteen years, I've been decent at jumping. I started in BMX, like dirt jumping. Oh, cool. 
Yeah, so I it's, mean, at some point, I guess there's a speed confidence thing. Um, but for many people, it's just learning to push into the ground, right? And it sounds crazy, but like, same as the bunny hop, it's that stomp, as, as Sean said, or, you know, sort of that compression or that, um, I'm trying to think what people say, like popping into the jump, basically, like, mm-hmm. um, it's learning that motion, right? Yeah. Do you think yeah, the bunny exactly. hop helps? Like, do you think if someone has a bunny hop, like to me, I always figured like that, that popping motion is very much like a, what you would call a bunny flop. So that front wheel lead motion. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the interesting thing. And it's, um, so you, there's similarities, but they're different. They're, mm-hmm. It's very different. It's like, they're so similar, but they're so different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because bunny hops are quite effortful, as you know. Like True. it takes a lot yeah. of strength and um, a lot of just perfect timing to make work. But yet, when you hit a tabletop just right, there's this, there's quite a nice effortless kind of feeling, right? You know what I mean? Yes, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, and so it seems from from the questions i've asked and the research i've done people there's people that can jump beautifully but they're not so great at doing bunny hops okay fair so, enough i would agree yeah yeah and um and so but at the same time if you do know how to bunny hop then that will allow you to add extra you can then add extra pop so there's kind of two two extremes when you hit a jump you can sort of absorb it to get less air or you can pop it to get um higher you can get higher in a bigger sort of trajectory and and that requires more of that exaggerated bunny hop motion um and uh so then yes at, at that point then the the bunny hop becomes more and more important but there is a you know there is a kind of a a continuum or sort of a, a gradual sort of increase in how the bunny hop technique can help you in jumping. And initially, um, I, you know, I talk about a very sort of miniaturized version of a bunny hop at the at the early part of the course, um, which is part of the flat ground drills. You know, they don't have to do a bunny hop, and I'm I'm not calling it a bunny hop, but there is a slight uh, front wheel than rear wheel kind of of motion, but it's almost it's kind of a blend between a hop, which is kind of both wheels are unweighted, and a bunny hop, which is the front wheel then the rear wheel. So sure. And, and in the bunny hop course, you one of the things you do to sort of help people try and get towards that that motion and getting that front wheel up is actually hitting like a speed bump or, or something you know speed bump ish. Um, to try yeah. and almost get air off the off the the speed bump, right? Which is sort of a you know similarity, but but a difference for sure. But that's you know another tactic, I guess, that sort of someone could use initially to try and get air, I guess. Yeah, totally. And and you know, for bunny hops and for jumping, you know, for the jumping course, if um you know one of the earlier sessions is for riders to go around and find little um 
little mini transitions around the neighborhood, whether it's like a, a sidewalk, driveway, curb, or, um, you know, how they angle up or just, you mm-hmm. know, around around the trails or local park where there's little, you know, the, where the roots come, come down and sometimes form nice little transitions to go play around and experiment with those and see how the bike reacts. Not trying to catch big air, but just kind of feel feel the effect of how the the bump presses back against you and you know this is that's one of the cool things about jumps is that you know you you, a bunny hop you generally have to you know a proper bunny hop you're creating the lift through your body and your muscles but with the um with a with a jump it's you know the transition is really taking care of that for you so that's why it feels so much more effortless yeah, I see in the jumping course, you know, I've been sort of helping with the, well, there's lots of people taking it right now, so it's busy. Um, and, and I've been helping more on the, the intro basic side of things and been leaving Sean's mm-hmm. and, and co to the more advanced ones as people get there. Um, the big thing that I see is sort of an obstacle to people practicing, and this may be for all the skills, but especially jumping because it sort of requires a jump, is that people are like, oh, I live... 7,000 kilometers from the, the you know, the nearest, <laughs> nearest dirt jump park. And then my answer usually is, you know, there's, there's probably a park or a skate park, you know, nearby and, or like ask the local kids where the, like, where are they storing their like wood jump? You know, there's, there's uh-huh. and as you say, ditches are great things. There's, you know, sidewalk, you know, things there's, if you look around, sometimes it does, uh, maybe that's what we should start suggesting is people find kids to like take them on a tour like introduce them to their su- their subdivision and like yeah hey, take I me feel to all like the jumps. you're gonna get a lot of people arrested for like kidnapping. Oh, maybe you can't. Time. Maybe you can't. Maybe you can't go on tours with kids. No. Okay. Fair it is a, it is an adult oriented uh it's, it's designed for adults <laughs> yeah and i was like, you can't watch the kids either it's no because then you're, uh, you're like yeah. accepting culpability for the fact that they're like hugging <laughs> themselves off stuff so maybe ignore that piece well of anyhow if you notice kids are jumping, i know what you're saying yeah, though yeah like yesterday yeah, we were follow at just... them into the woods that'll be a really good idea <laughs> yesterday i was in just like a campground attached to one of sort of the mountain bike areas here in ontario and we were working on uh, actually a lady who's on the the ryan leach membership site too and so i've i've been meeting with her now for a couple of years working on stuff and she's actually coming along really great so she's now curious about jumping and her bunny hops and you know everything is going well and i was like well let's look and see what we can find and we did basically in the parking lot you know there's between each of the gravel parking lots there was like a nice sort of formed i guess whoop you could call it sort of an up and down yeah. mound and you know she like you say she was sort of doing the she got the front wheel up to start and then we got a little airborne with both wheels and sort of landed a bit on the top and we got to sort of the, the front wheel was landing on the transition. So nothing, you know, we're not going on pink bike, but that's pretty, she's a 50 year old lady and you know, that's pretty <laughs> yeah. impressive for someone going from no jumping to jumping at 50. Like, yeah, yeah, that's in, you know, that's the thing for a big part of the early phase of learning to jump, you know, you know, it's a matter of, becoming comfortable with that that transition that takeoff transition and those can be found in a lot of different places and you know getting comfortable pressing in sort of you know that that transition it presses back against you and you've got to press back against it to create that um that lift and so that can be done you know if you can get creative in your local neighborhood you'll you'll find somewhere 
And local trails too. I mean, you can boost off of, you know, the, the concept of boosting is basically like popping off of, you know, rocks or roots or, you know, something like that. And, you know, making your, you know, maybe you see a root and then it's like coming just before a dip and you can sort of boost off of a, you know, a, a stump or something like that and land on a transition. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty fun, once you figure out just that basic jump, like we're not talking about clearing houses, like it changes how yeah. you, how you see a just very normal trail, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so much fun. Um, so here's a good question for you. Um, with all these skills, we got wheelies, we got um, you know slow speed stuff. Now we have jumping. Is there is there a bike recommendation that you would make? So we're looking for sort of Ryan Lynch's pro bike suggestion to someone. You know, they can only have one bike. They want a mountain bike, but they want to do you know they want to be able to manual and do you know jump and stuff. Is there you know, a, a bike that you, you know, either what you're riding right now, feel free to do shout outs yeah. that way. Um, but also just, you know, is there a style of bike? Like, are we talking hardtail, wheel size, you know, what, 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 yeah, what can you yeah, give any sure. guidance for that? You know? Yeah. It's a great question. Um, and so, so yeah, I mean, man, the, the technology for bikes has come along so incredibly well over the last few years and, you know, no longer do you really need a bunch of different bikes, um, you know, especially if you're just enjoying mountain biking and you're, you're wanting to develop skills. And for the skills, a lot of the skills that I teach, you know, there is, the, you know, it's not just, it's not just going fast as fast as you can down a trail like there's a lot more nuance and and technique and kind of some of the slow speed skills that i really enjoy people that and a lot of the people enjoy on the site and some of the skills like manuals or wheelies or, or bunny hops and and you know those kind of more technical skills and um so being able to do those and also still to to go fast and to have a bike that can you know perform well in tight technical terrain but also on flow flow trails that are so much more common these days um for me it is a it's a trail it's a trail bike which is generally these days around five inches of travel front and rear um and it's for for me it's a, a 650b size wheel which is um it's not uh it's it it's generally a little more playful um in tighter situations um you know trials riders generally are you know they drop down from 26 instead of going up so so going up to 29 i find that i i start to become a little more limited with the more playful technical kind of style riding that i really enjoy so um so 650b is the size for me and and the bike that i've just kind of locked onto this year actually i haven't ridden i haven't even it's kind of sad to say i haven't ridden my trials bike this year i've only ridden i've only ridden one bike this year except for my commuter kind of get around town bike but i've only ridden the site norco site 650b and that's um i've ridden that at bike parks like lift surf bike parks and i've i've ridden sort of trials style trails on it and actually, I did earlier this year. I still hadn't gotten my site yet, so I was on a range, which is a, a six-inch travel, more enduro bike. But um, 
it's uh, for me it's nowhere as versatile as the, as the site which is a more trail oriented uh, five inch travel bike so i hope that does that answer i think so i mean question? that gives people can go and look up that I'm, I'm just trying to pull up here they asked about seat tube and head tube angles but that's getting it's it's slacker it's not a it's not an xc bike so it's a little oh. slacker but it's not a downhill bike that it's basically it's like the fork sticking out in front of you yeah, and I mean, that's where that's where bikes have gone. Sorry, do you want to add, Molly? Well, that was exactly what I was just going to say. Like at bicycling, like half the bikes that you know are coming out now, or that I've reviewed in the last few years, have been more of like the trail bike. It used to all be hardtail cross country. Now, no one makes that anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and in terms of the. Um, a lot of bikes that are coming out, you just got to watch out that it's not too enduro focused because that's focused for downhill riding. I mean, yeah, they go up, but I mean, really, the timed part is going down. And so they're optimized for that. And the slack, generally, bikes are getting slacker and longer. And that is, you know, for and lower. And so you know for i i love climbing like i i love the full experience especially if there's you know a bit of a technical climb or a nice beautiful single track climb that winds up the mountain um having a a head a head tube angle that's too slack becomes pretty sloppy Mm -hmm. for climbing and and um, and it kind of takes away from the enjoyment. So that's, again, the reason why I prefer the site over, say, and I'm just talking Norco because I know their models. It, that's why I prefer the Norco site over the Norco range because I love going up just as much as I love going down. And that's true. I'm not just exaggerating. I, I really love going up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, this question was for, quote-unquote, mere mortals. And I think that sometimes gets missed. You know, it's actually really great advice that you suggested that people are sometimes ending up on too big of bikes and they're thinking, oh, I need that help on the downhill. But they're forgetting that they're going to be drilled. You know, they're not going to be able to ride as much. They're going to be very tired by the time they get to the top. You know, they're not shuttling. They're not at a downhill park. Mm-hmm. Um and so they're just very tired and they, you know, don't enjoy the ride nearly as much and, you know, are a little sloppy or tired on the downhill even. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So So I think that I just looked up the head tube angles. We're talking about 66.5 or 67 for the 29er version of the site. And C tube angle is 70, between 74 and 75 for the 650B site for the mm-hmm. i don't know what any of those things really mean i was gonna but, say we'll put it in the show notes and anyone that really wants the angles yeah. can look there um mm-hmm. yeah so that that's good uh do you have any as far as shock setups you know this is a dual suspension bicycle um you know is there any do you you know for these skills and stuff is it you know you set up sort of the the sag and stuff as advised by the manufacturer i imagine but is there yeah is there something with rebound or anything that's special that you do that helps you know with a you know popping up into the wheelie or or jumping you know bouncing or something like that is there is there anything suspension wise that you do special um, not really. No, I mean, if anything, I generally run my suspension a little stiffer than average. Just, just again, because I tend to like the, um, I like the slower speed technical skills and, um, and and having too much softness in in the suspension overall, um, the bike does get a little um, bouncy in some of those situations. So having it just a little stiffer. Um, I prefer. Um, I think that makes but, sense. But uh, beyond beyond that, I just make sure that you know I've got a you know decent um, you know de- 
you know, still still decent amount of sag, just again a little less sag than maybe what um is is most average and just that my suspension is fairly evenly balanced between front and rear, you know, just nothing too I mean, I I'm not I'm not a super technical numbers sort of bike no. detail kind of guy. I just I mean, I just like my bike working well and you know, I don't get too stressed about, you know, decimal points and, you know, you know a few psi in my tires here or there um the one thing i I noticed with rebound and i don't know if you agree with this is you'll see um you know i've done courses with like wade simmons and stuff like more downhill oriented stuff and you know i I think if you have downhill a downhill background or or you know you ride a lot of downhill sometimes the rebound can be set a little slower if i'm not mistaken i might just be talking in craziness but to me i always found that my bunny hops then ended up getting like delayed like the rebound on the fork was oh, delayed yeah. so when you're used to like cro- like in ontario we have logs constantly and turns so i always found like then all of a sudden i was like plowing into logs because i was used to my yeah. fork coming back but it was like it wasn't coming back as fast and like we're going you know 20 kilometers an hour 25 kilometers an hour on the flat sometimes on trails here oh yeah yeah totally no that's a great i'm glad you that is i would say that maybe the one of the more common issues is too slow having the rebound too slow yeah and then i on would the flip say side if you're going downhilling you know adjust your rebound you know i was talking to a lady yesterday and she was asking about fork setup and bike setup and sort of i echoed what you just said you know set it up like it's supposed to be set up and you know you'll have a bit of personal preference within that but you know set it up and you know a click or two either way on the rebound depending on you know is it a really gnarly downhill day or is it you know, more, you know, cross country, you know, super fast, non-technical, then you might have some adjustment. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. And there's also, of course, the personal preference factor that links into all this. And, you know, it's funny, I, I, I I was just in China for a Shimano coaching gig and, um, one of the uh, other Shimano rider guests was Brian Lopes. And uh, if, if you're not, if you haven't, if you don't know of him, um, which I'm sure many of you do. And his riding is just unbelievable. It's beautiful. I mean, he's um, his his uh, you know his long term um, fame in the sport of mountain biking is um, is legit. Um, right. And his rebound was um, was actually quite fast. Right. At the and we were we were doing actually it was um, it was a, a lift service bike park that we were at. You know, the trails weren't too too extreme or or, or fast. Um, but uh, yeah, his he had it pretty quick, and I, I don't know if that's always how he has it. But you know, um, maybe from dual slalom or something, right? Like it's so fast. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. Um, huh. You know, I didn't talk to him about the reasons why. But uh, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely, you know, and you can't, I always say, you know, you, you can be a special snowflake once you're, you know, like very good at something, but you may <laughs> as well just set it up as the manufacturer recommends to start and, and ride a little bit and practice and uh, then you can be, but sometimes people you know, get in their heads that they want their brake levers, you know, this way. And it's like, well, you know, that's a little crazy. You're grabbing your brake levers with four fingers and that's a little <laughs> out of the normal. Um, why don't we try with just that index finger and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Or... Or to, yeah, thing, and that's it's a tricky. You know, these these memes or these sort of rules get um, stuck in a lot of recreational riders' heads. You know, one of the recent ones was brake levers at a, a level position. You know, 
more closer to a, a level horizontal kind of position and and um sure maybe for some riders in certain situations um very specialized riding circumstances that could be useful but for the average rider overall that rides a variety of terrain types and, and ups and downs that's uh, uh bad news <laughs> Right, and so people are running, that? People, you... I have, I and I know like Kabush runs his a little up, but not like not horizontal like that's. But that's what, yeah, and that's the thing that sometimes gets stuck in people's heads is sort of the rule of horizontal no. sort of break. I was always and... taught you looked over the top, and if you like took a string from where like the line of sight crossed the tire, that was which ends up being like forty five degrees basically. But that was how I was always taught to set them up. Yeah, and then you know, then you you begin to adjust up or down based on your riding preferences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, what else do we have here? So that's well, oh, I actually have, have a, I have a whole setup. list. I have a whole okay, list of Molly's questions. Your, okay, go ahead. You... This one's kind of actually about equipment setup, but I was thinking going back to what you were saying about uh, recording yourself doing the you know various tricks, so you can you know put it up on the Facebook or you know send it to a coach. Do you have any? tips or recommendations for like the best way to film oneself doing these things because i feel like sometimes Mm, people end up with like the world's worst angle on them or just angles that aren't going to be very helpful (laughs) for a coach to look at it because you're like i have no idea what i'm looking at so totally and actually and actually i'm i'm creating a a fun little uh tutorial how to for how how to record yourself to post a a video for feedback on the site that's that's, definitely we're trying to encourage that and so that's definitely cool working on that yeah Yeah, so that's um that's on a high priority um for for the membership site but um yeah it's um generally some some people i mean i love slow-mo slow-mo is great but not just slow-mo i mean if someone someone can do um a regular speed and a slow-mo shot um you know side profile is generally my my favorite but it's got to be it's got to be wide enough such that i can you know say for someone practicing a bunny hop sometimes it's too tight and you don't get to see their um compression cycle um clear enough or or even sometimes the full landings cut off but it's definitely the initial sort of compression setup process that that i often want to see as well so having it wide enough but not so wide that you know they're just a pinprint and mm-hmm. or a pin pinprick <laughs> in the frame so so that's that's another um factor and then also in terms of length it's got to be short you know um i don't you know as a coach i don't want to be watching a three-minute video of um of the rider's practice i just want them to cut it to um just a a, a few clips of of what they're working on and and i know sometimes that's um that's a lot to ask in terms of editing it down or cutting it for some people but um even if it's to the point of okay um press record do the move twice and then hit stop i mean i'd be happy with that if the angles um as i was saying before so Mm-hmm. Yeah, and static camera too. Like we don't need the pan side to side necessarily, right? That just introduces error usually. Yeah, just getting creative with how you can prop your phone up. Um, yeah, somewhere. we've got like a little, tripod, a little tripod thing. And the iPhone will trim the. Yeah, you can thing. trim. So and then easily. I believe if you press the little box yeah. arrow thing that's usually on the top right, you can just upload directly to a YouTube account. 
and then the YouTube yep. account will let you slow it down. So anyone who posts to the membership site, like that's what I automatically do. Like I'll watch it full speed and then I'll watch it like right slowed down. Um, mm, and cool. then, and then maybe another high speed just to see if that, you know, what I think is true is true. So can I, if someone posts it just in slow-mo, there's a, there's a setting in YouTube where I can just click something to watch it in fast. If they, for some reason posted it, like they made it slow-mo and uploaded it, then you could put it in two times and it would speed it up. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's on the bottom (laughs) right, but I slow it down. So when you post just your normal video, I would slow it down for money, but you can also speed it up. Yeah. yeah. So if someone posted slow-mo, I guess you could speed it up, but it might not be true speed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or you can, you know, as a, I sometimes just go frame by frame here or there. If, if right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get a screenshot or something out of it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know. I'm sure there's lots of apps and stuff and mm-hmm. everything else, little variations. But um, we've had people post just like public links from Dropbox and stuff like that, too. But mm-hmm. I think YouTube's probably still the easier one. Yeah, and then there's the privacy settings, of course, for for people. They can just adjust it so that only someone with a link is able to view the video, which is also a useful thing, if especially if you know a, a participant or student is wanting to post something that isn't um, isn't necessarily. Um, you know, awesome. Right. <laughs> and the, the other thing is like even over. posting aside, like if you, you know, if you're a coach or if you're, you know, someone out there trying to learn something, like I'll often either, you know, if I'm doing something, I like to see myself doing it so that, you know, I find that it's easier for me to learn if I can see what I'm doing. Um, so mm-hmm. even just re- having someone record you or propping up your phone while you're doing something and reviewing it can often, you know, you're getting feedback either with just, you know, on your own private practice or if you're, you know, recording someone else and you want to show them, like I've had many clients where I've tried all my bag of tricks of, you know, drills and everything. And then the thing that actually got the breakthrough was me standing there with my iPhone and okay, look at this. You Watching see, yourself. You're, you know, you're not, your legs are not extending. You need to extend your legs for real. Um, yeah. You know, and then it's like, ah, aha, skill complete. Let's move on. Um, cool. So it, it can yeah, be a very good observation. Yeah. Yeah. And you can slow it oh, down for so them powerful. too, right? And you can be like, this is what you're doing. And like, I didn't realize I was doing that. I've been telling you've been doing that for the last hour. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally. Right. And so yeah, a picture, is that... is, picture is worth a thousand words, as mm-hmm. they say. I think yeah. that's one of the most common, you know, in, in a few of the courses, you know, one of the requirements is for riders to film themselves and then do their own self-critique. And I think that it's like some of the comments are, you know, it's a common to get their response. Wow. I, you know, this is incredibly useful to, to watch myself on video. Like, yeah, it's definitely a game changing, um, thing to, to do. So. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So did you have other questions or yes. no? You do have more questions. I do. Okay. So many questions, well. but I'll keep it to just a couple. So <laughs> last time we, or the first podcast we did with you, we talked a ton about yoga. So I'm curious with all of this other stuff you're doing, where is your yoga practice at now? Um, so it's, it's interesting. My, my, I'm, whew, yeah, it's been, it's been tough. It's been tough. Mm-hmm. So my, I I mean I've been working, you know, I mean every day I'm working and I'm I'm I I've been a workaholic to to you know to really try to get this site to where it's at. 
just long hours all day, every day, working, working, working. And so my some of my healthy habits have fallen off to the side for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm um, really, really working on that um, personally. You know, that was one of the realizations I had on my my um, screen free retreat um, recently, and um, and so, so yeah, my, I, I'm really grateful that I teach yoga. So whenever I'm, whenever I'm home, I teach once a week, uh, a, you know, a drop in yoga class for anyone who's around to, to come. And I am so glad that I teach and that I have the accountability of other people who want to come to class because in general, when I teach yoga, I do the practice as well. So, and I, it's just, my my yoga practice generally these days is um, a couple minutes here, five minutes there of doing you know some down dog, some sun salutations, you know, jumping into a pigeon <laughs> real quick or something mm-hmm. without the proper sort of um, uh, you know warm up. I just kind of sneak in a little quick um, a quickie here or there, and it's um, and it's good you know it's it's good to just do stretches spontaneously throughout the day because I'm always you know because I've practiced yoga so much I, I I know when my body's starting to get tight or if I'm at a computer I generally I'm, I'm aware enough of my body to know that I've got to get up and stand up and move around so I'm grateful for that but overall my my um, my work life is uh, I'm just in front of the screen too much too often and I'm not meditating enough I'm not doing yoga enough and uh and so it's really really cool for me to be in this position actually because in general as a pro rider I had enough time to fit in a lot of really great um self-care practices and um and so now I'm more in the position of of perhaps most of the people who are yeah. customers on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the real life. Um, I'm sure. actually really kind of grateful for, for that. So um, we had, uh, I don't know if you've heard the book peak performance uh, with Steve Magnus and Brad Stolberg, but you'll probably, you'd probably enjoy it. And they, he talks or both of them talk about the idea of balance being sort of a myth. And, you know, sometimes you just oh, have to, yeah, you, totally you, agree. You, you have to hustle sometimes. And then, you know, you should plan in just like in normal athletic training, you should plan in that off period, which you just came off of a great off period. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was their thing is that it's not like a day to day balance where you're, you know, having your kale smoothie and your, you know, two hour walk <laughs> and you got mountain biking and you went to a mountain top and you did yoga and then you worked for two I was hours. Say, but you and, also managed to go yeah. to like eight business meetings. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. We were talking about day in the life and just sort of how those like a day in the life show is always like so exaggerated yeah. to like what the actual oh. thing like, like look at my fridge full yeah. of Red Bulls and so forth. <laughs> I and know. Kale yeah, smoothies like, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. It's as, it's as, I, I know it's like, um, it's like social media is just such a, it's a generally create such a mirage of how people's lives actually are exactly mm-hmm. so you did do just this tech uh break you were away on your two-week vacation you go with family and you know you, you stayed off the social medias and kept the phone sort of offline um <laughs> there was a question sort of what you know what did you have you know do you do you have ideas that you can share that you came up with or you know sort of how you structured that you know anything about your sort of tech people are just curious about what this tech Break People are like. so perplexed by it. How yeah. did you do it? Where, where did your phone go during this? Yeah. 
<laughs> yes, I know. So I, I left. I actually I left my laptop at home. Whew. And um... <laughs> you mean you brought your iPad? Yeah, yeah, like with a keyboard, right? <laughs> yeah. And then I had my phone with me, and it's about a seven-hour kind of trip to get to um, the place. It, my uh, annual holiday is a small, small one of the Gulf sort of islands, um, close. You know, just between Vancouver Island and the mainland. Um, for those that know, sort of the BC, BC, um, close to Vancouver there. So it's a small little island. And anyway, so you have to take a water taxi to get there. And and my tradition is, you know, as soon as I'm on the water taxi, I turn my phone off, and and then that's it. I, you know, I was thinking, oh, should I should I bring my headphones and at least listen to music? I was like, nope, no electronic free, <laughs> nothing. So, so that was it, you know, turned it off and I was so fortunate. I mean, like, I know, you know, Peter, you know, you, you jumped in and helped cover some extra comments while I was gone. And Molly had an article, she, an awesome article she wrote that was posted on the site while I was gone and the rest of the the team, I'm really fortunate to have, um, you know, it's what a what an awesome group of people that are involved in in the websites for me to to be comfortable shutting off and and going offline, um, and so it was. Um, it's easier. It was easier than. I mean, I've been doing it for a few years now, and it's. Um, it was really. It's really nice. I mean, I was curious you know, curious a few times to, to know how the site was going, if people were, were joining or if people were unsubscribing or where, where the health was of the site. But, um, I just get, I think my mind thinks in a different way. I, I notice, like, especially after the first week of being offline, I just, I, when I'm journaling, you know, just using a pen and paper, I just, the ideas flow differently and I have space to think differently. And, um, I find that really valuable and I had a few definitely some key sort of insights for, for the future. So that's awesome. I w I'm like debating if I could do it and I'm like, well, what if I just brought my laptop, but like promised to not put it online? <laughs> Cause like, I'm thinking like writer's retreat. So like in my head, I'm like, I can't just do that freehand. That would take me hours after to like transcribe everything. So yeah, I don't know. I think the, the typewriter. You, you could definitely just write in a journal. I think Ryan's spot on with that. I have a book I need to write, all right? You could write it like they used to. Yeah, and then you can type it out for me? Sure. Okay, you can you're pay hired. for that now, I guess. I think that's good. I uh, played around, I haven't done it for a year or two, but I was, when we were in a California training, um, which, like you say, is sort of more of the pro athlete lifestyle, but. Every, I think it was like Friday night to Saturday night or Sunday morning. I think that's what it was. Friday night till Sunday morning. I just didn't, same deal. No electronics, no TV, no, yeah. no anything. And it seems like a small deal, but I think these, these days, yeah. no one does that, right? Like you're always, you know, on the social media, you're catching up on emails from work, you're, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. And, you know, I just made that my normal. And like, I had my full coaching business and stuff. And, you know, I want those people out, mm -hmm. like they should be out riding and stuff. Right. And any of the ones who are going yeah. to races, like they would phone me maybe or, or whatever, if there was like a yeah. big race, but just like, Hey, just don't, I'm not going to answer your email. So if it's urgent and like you're at a race and something horrible happens, like just give me a call. It's also just crazy right. to me that like, by the way, that we're thinking like, Oh, maybe I can have like 36 hours of <laughs> yeah. my weekend i'm gonna take free. a weekend yeah. yeah yeah but it's tough as an entrepreneur i think and i think a lot of people yeah. are in that boat who aren't entrepreneurs who are you know again they're trying to they got their blackberry and they're trying to you know sort through those emails mm 
um, or, or check Twitter mm-hmm. or whatever. And... What did people do before BlackBerry? Had weekends, apparently. I don't know. But that's that's where we're at, right? Yeah. And so it's, I mean, yeah. either of those ideas, you know, Ryan's is, is I think, the, the way to do it. And kudos for sticking to it and doing that. Yeah, I'm super jealous. We're going to have to... But maybe, you know, for some people who, like Molly, who are nervous, it might just Ugh. be that, like, you know, check off on <laughs> Friday night and then assume that people aren't going to send Ugh. you any urgent things over, you know, Saturday during the day. And then I just... can't do it. I can't do it. You know, and my, my theory, my theory with that is, you know, it, it's sort of in some ways like how they suggest you do fasting and stuff is, you know, you, you, you checked in on Friday night. So you had that meal, you had that little social media bite and then, you know, yeah. you have your Saturday and it's relaxed and you get that big ride in and you have, you know, beers with friends or whatever you're into. And then, you know, you can check back in Saturday night. So it's not even been 24 hours. I was really confused when you said fasting and then but beers. But I think, I think, I think like, the wait, benefit what? and Ryan might have a, a thought to this too is, that that morning where you wake up and have like a real Saturday morning, you're not checking Twitter, uh, you know, maybe uh-huh. you journal, maybe you, you know, have coffee on the porch with your loved one for an hour, you go walk somewhere, yeah. you know, you go for a ride where you didn't think about <laughs> that email, that whole ride, right? You, you just went. Tra- or tracking the ride electronically mm-hmm. with yeah. all the measurements. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Or you weren't like hunting a Strava segment that you'd been looking at all morning so I... instead of talking to anyone yeah. at the breakfast table. Oh, now I'm all stressed yeah. out. Thanks. Yeah. And it does. It changes that experience, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's one that's one thing I think most of the listeners on to this podcast could relate to and would be a good drill. Um, don't have any electronics on your ride. Like turn turn your phone off. Don't turn Strava on. I mean, heaven forbid you might lose, you know, thirty kilometers off your yearly total. Oh my god! Oh no. But try it. It t- it changes the experience of the ride. You know, yeah. to be free from all measurements, all social links to the ride, all, you know, heart rate and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think that's a great, I mean, I do, I do that quite often actually. Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, and this is the season for, you know, the September, October, I often for clients all, you know, it depends on what their goals are and stuff. Um, but, you know, we'll certainly do, you know, that just go ride for two weeks, you know, and just, just ride if you're, you know, with people, you know, make sure it's fun and not excessive and, but that's yeah, definitely cool. the time to try and decompress and, and get off of that, you know, such a hard driving, you know, period. Yeah. Um, all yeah. right. So I guess what we're getting to is everybody should be turning off this podcast <laughs> right now and going into the wild. Yes, into the wild, into the wild. <laughs> um, totally. I don't know. So I think that's that's good, right? You know, we've we've been talking here for a long time. I don't want to keep you for too long. I'm sure you got lots that you say you're busy right now. Um, so we're going to, again, ryanleach.com. Um, did you have that? Do you have a code, Ryan, or is there? Yeah, I do. If yeah, if if there is someone listening that is curious about the the online mountain bike skill coaching website that I run, um, and, and would like to try it out, um, you can read. You can use the coupon code Ryan One, and that's the the number one. So R Y A N and the number one. So if you sign up for a membership, you still have to enter your credit card info but it gives you the the coupon code so you're not charged um, until the first month is up and you know you can if you if you're grooving on it then um, it'll roll into the to the monthly payments of 19 bucks a month um, otherwise you can just uh, you can just cancel it um, yourself when you're uh, once we when you're logged in um, so so that's a awesome. a coupon code Ryan one that uh, people can check it out with that's awesome. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, 
we'll let you know when it goes up. We'll probably use this in the next couple weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we appreciate that, Ryan. Thank you for all that and, and for catching up. Health IQ is a life insurance company that promotes a health-conscious lifestyle through financial rewards. They've used science and data to get lower rates on life insurance for health-conscious people just like you, including those who exercise four times a week through cycling, weightlifting, swimming, running, whatever consummate athlete lifestyle you're, you're undertaking. Research has shown that people who are highly active through exercise have a 22% lower cancer risk, 50% lower heart risk, and 34% lower risk of early death. Many people who exercise regularly don't realize that they can get a special rate with Health IQ if they qualify through the Health IQ quiz. Health IQ has special rates for cyclists, runners, triathletes, vegans, and other health-conscious people, so you can qualify by scoring elite on quizzes for specific lifestyles. Essentially replacing BMI with waist-to-hip ratio for better predictors of cardiovascular disease when it comes to weightlifters and muscular builds. That's great for me. They also have replaced the LDL-HDL ratio with triglyceride to HDL ratio for low-carb and paleo dieters, which is a better predictor of cholesterol health, and they don't take into account one incidence of family history if you're otherwise healthy. So, go over to healthiq.com slash capod. All lowercase. And take that quiz. Um, They have a bunch of different quizzes on the website, and the website's pretty well designed, so it's worth heading over there, checking it out, and again, using that link, healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D. Thanks so much for listening to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. We would love if you would head over to iTunes and leave us a review, and while you're there, consider subscribing. We'd also love to connect over at Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Molly J. Herford, and Peter is at Peter Glassford. If you have ideas or questions from today's podcast, or you just want to browse some of the show notes and past shows, you can also check us out at consummateathlete.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next time.